Hey guys, hey ladies, hey friends, hey foes. We just wanted to take a second to remind you that while we're okay swearing when little ears are listening, you might not be, and that's okay. So here's your chance to pause us and wait for nap time, or pop in your earbuds. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Done Playing by the Rules. That's Janelle. <laughs> I'm Janelle. Did I throw you off? Yeah, you did. You're not that supposed to introduce goal. me. That was my goal to throw you off to see what you said. <laughs> and I'm Janelle. <laughs> and we have, we're not going to introduce our special guest. If you're watching on YouTube, which you should be, you will already see our special guest, but we have a special guest that's going to join us in a few minutes. And today is our second Tied for first place, most requested topic, which is my husband is struggling with his mental health and I don't know what to do. I was surprised by the request for this one. I'm honestly, I was surprised, but then if you think about it for a millisecond, Mm -hmm. you realize this past year has been such a fucking roller coaster for everyone that it makes sense when you start to dig into the articles about how men are never supposed to be perceived as weak. And so if they're struggling, they have to just like shove it down. It really makes sense if you think about it in the context of this past year. Yeah. Or just period. I mean, there's not a lot of support. Like we even said we had a hard time finding articles. Hard time finding articles. It was surprising. Okay. So my thought and my little intro is after doing all of this research, which Two weeks ago, I was like, I literally have no idea how to help someone whose husband is struggling. A lot of the articles, and this is going to be a generalization, but a lot of the articles kind of come to this um, summation that men are classically all or nothing thinkers and they are classic overgeneralizers, which are probably the worst possible components for depression. Overgeneralizing on top of depression is awful and black and white thinking where it's like everything is ruined, the whole world hates me, everything is wrong, is a nightmare. And women aren't as likely to do this, I feel like. So let's add depression on top, which is basically just a hotbed of doom. Everything is wrong and bad. Men struggle with a profoundly different depression experience when it comes to mental health because women are taught Mm -hmm. from a young age to talk about our feelings and let it out and go have a good cry and watch The Notebook. And And talk to your friends. like Yeah, and call your aunt and call your mom and call your grandma Mm -hmm. and talk about what part of your cycle you're in. Like that is how women are brought up. This article that I'm going to put in the show notes and I am going to frequently reference is from Medium. They say, so layer on top of that, and this is a direct quote, men live under the constant pressure of one unrelenting message. Do not be perceived as weak. Mm -hmm. And this starts basically as soon as they're born. So to paraphrase from the article, some things that we've all heard, big boys don't cry is used for your toddler. Mm -hmm. Real men don't cry is used for your teen. And don't be a pussy is used when you're a man. Yeah. So what sort of environment are we creating for men to ask for any sort of help if people are going to call them a pussy or like ask if they have their oh my period? Gosh. Like even, I don't know about you, but having a son, people yes. still go to those comments yes. of like, that's no need to cry or you shouldn't cry over that. Well, if they're crying, then to them, it's a need for tears. And I find yeah. that 
even sometimes I'm like, seriously, you're crying over that? Like, is my first reaction sometimes when it comes to Mm -hmm. my son, because he is the oldest and he cries sometimes over to me, super small things, but to him, it was clearly meant for tears. Yeah. And so some of the other things, and so I was reading an article that talked about toxic masculinity, and Mm. I think that plays a lot into this. Um, And toxic masculinity, we've been kind of ingrained to believe is like men thinking that they're better than women, but there's also a side of toxic masculinity that is men are just treated as sort of kind of an inferior species when it comes to emotions and relationships. Yes. Yep. And so some of the things that are included in that broad spot of toxic masculinity, boys don't cry, man up, don't be a baby, you cry like a girl, be a man, get over it. I have literally heard all of these things mm-hmm. said, and I have heard some of them probably from my own mouth to my children. I very we're not going to cry. This is something a baby would cry over. Like yeah. I literally have said that. I'm not ashamed. I'm not because proud. Because you grew up with it. So it was ingrained in you. I grew up with it. Like, and so yeah. I think that this starts when we're very young and then we mm-hmm. turn into someone that is supposed to be seen as the protector, the provider, the rock of the family. And if that person has a falter where their neurons aren't firing correctly in their brain, mm-hmm. there's some sort of mess and yeah. the that has to just add to the isolation in a way that I can't even fathom because I've just always been under the – like, tell me your issues. Tell me how you feel. Tell me what you think. And Mm -hmm. men aren't ever encouraged to do that. No. And it's not only like the chemistry of your brain, but even stressful situations. Yeah. PTSD is not just for men who have been through war. It is men who have been through a whole bunch of other things, even losing a parent, losing a friend. Being in any kind of traumatic situation and throw in, okay, that situation's done. You need to man up. You need to be strong. I know personally, I'm a woman and I've complained to Janelle, like now that I don't have my parents, I've been told like, you're the matriarch. You need to be strong for everyone. And there's been times where I cry and be like, I don't want to be. And I can't imagine like being a man in that situation where you can't cry about it. Like that's not acceptable. Yeah. Yeah, it just blows my mind. And like, that's just from a woman's standpoint, let alone how a man feels. Well, and I don't think we give enough credence to the fact that we, you and I are stay-at-home moms. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what your working situation is at home, a lot of men's whole lives were flipped upside down, as well as women. Mm-hmm. But we are encouraged to seek out help. Men are not. And then yeah. they were handed the pandemic shift of their lives. My husband mm-hmm. and your husband's entire lives changed. Yeah. My husband's favorite hobbies were going out to eat, tra- traveling, mm-hmm. flying places, and like going on like dude weekends yeah. and going to Vegas. And that uh, we took away all his favorite hobbies. And so mm-hmm. that would cause depression even in the most mentally clear person, I think. Or yeah. your husband probably liked going to work and not just being stuck in the house every day. Well, not only that, but like job security was like a huge yes. thing during the pandemic because so many people were getting laid off or yeah. companies were struggling. And so, I mean, I know a few husbands that got laid off and or furloughed or whatever. And if you're the sole provider, man, woman, whatever, that is a 
ton of stress on your relationship. Everything. Yeah. 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 Well, one thing I did find was interesting was, I don't know if you found this, but I found that if you look up depression in general, women are supposedly more susceptible to depression than men. Okay. However, it's like one in four to five women versus one in eight to 10 men. Oh, I did not know that. However, experts think that the statistics are wrong because it's underreported because men aren't diagnosed. And something that I thought of too is that my husband doesn't really go for checkups unless something's wrong. However, as women, we go in yearly and they ask you mental health questions. I go in if I have a rash. I'm like, doctor. Yeah. But I mean, like, (laughs) think about it. Like you go to your midwife or your OBGYN yearly. I mean, at least I do. I know some people go every two or three years, but still you have that Mm check-in and it's easy to just be like, well, I have been a little anxious. Like that door is already open versus men. I mean, you know how hard it is making that first appointment is so hard when you're struggling mentally because you, one, you have to admit it. And two, like you just don't want to be judged. You don't want the stigma. And it's scary because everything is scary when you're struggling with mental health. Yeah. And so it's very underreported in men, as well as I found that men's symptoms for depression are a lot different than women's. However, I'm like, I kind of also relate to men because one of the the high, high on the list for men is anger. And when my anxiety and depression flare up, I get angry. Like I'm quick to snap. And it said like a lot of times, like that's the number one symptom for men is they get angry. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of them will abuse drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And so that's kind of where I wanted to bring our guest in today because we got talking about coping mechanisms and drugs and alcohol. So we have my husband here today, Brandon. I'm going to insert a round of applause. I'm going to insert a round of applause. (laughs) (laughs) And if you've been listening, you know my husband struggles, right? You say it in the present tense Mm -hmm. with alcoholism. A lot of times when I say like my husband's an alcoholic, people are like, oh my gosh, that's so hard. I'm like, no, like you're always an alcoholic. Like that does not mean he's currently struggling with drinking. However, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Am I correct on that? Okay. (laughs) I always like ask. And he's been very upfront with me, with the kids. And so I started asking him, do you think your alcoholism was because you were actually depressed because a lot of articles I found about that say that. And I also have two, if not three good friends who think their husbands are alcoholic and they always reach out to me. However, after diving into this conversation with my husband, it sounds like these men are struggling with more depression than alcoholism. And so like, can you tell us a little bit what you brought up about the difference in an alcoholic versus drinking to suppress those depressed feelings. Yeah, I mean, again, this is my own experience and I'm not sure how broadly it applies across the board, but you know, living in it and having friends who have struggled with depression and having my own battle with the drink, so to speak, it there is a vast difference between the two from what I've seen personally. I think that they go they can go hand in hand, but they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. And so what I mean by that totally. is Those who use alcohol to mask or address their depression do it at a slower pace and have a trigger that they're typically going to turn to the bottle on and try to hide 
and try to solve it by drinking, right? Whereas on the flip side, alcoholism and alcoholics incorporate it into their daily life, right? There's no pace with alcoholics, right? There's a, a little bit of a pace with those who are struggling with depression and try to use alcohol from what I've seen. And it's, it's, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start drinking and I may have one, two or three where an alcoholic is gonna sit there and they're gonna knock down about three or four drinks before you finish your first one, right? So, yeah. so the, the pace is different and right, and the lifestyle is different. So, you know, depression can happen and something in your day-to-day life can trigger it and you start drinking. Whereas alcoholics, like I said, have it on a day in, day out basis. And, and that's just one thing that, I, that yeah. I've noticed and that I've personally, you know, kind of dealt with. And when I don't think people have a very clear picture about an alcoholic because I personally didn't. I saw what I saw in the movies and it was like drinking every day, going to work drunk, hiding it. However, our personal experience was more, he couldn't stop. And so there would be days where he wouldn't drink, but then when he started, he couldn't stop. I remember his dad said to me one time because I had to call his dad. It was so bad. And I didn't know what to do. I mean, I'm young 20s, single, and I have no idea what to do. And so I call his dad and his dad was like, I don't understand. I saw him today and everything was fine. Like his dad didn't understand why he was drinking if everything was fine in our relationship. And he was like, he was telling me about how excited he was because we were about to get married, to get married. And we had just bought our first house and like all this stuff. And his dad was like, I don't understand it. And at the time I didn't either. Brandon wasn't in AA yet. We hadn't given his drinking a label at this point. And it wasn't like what you see in the movies. And Brandon said, like, I mean, he was in AA with doctors and lawyers and professionals who said that they drink in private to excess, but not every day. And it didn't even impact their work. It didn't impact Brandon's work, but it impacted our, well, we weren't married yet, our engagement, our lives and him. And it was just really eye opening. And I have a few friends who's during the pandemic, whose husbands have been drinking a lot. However, they're also saying my husband's not happy. My husband says he has to escape. My husband says, and it's made me think, these are signs of depression. However, in men, we don't label them as depression. We say, oh, he's an alcoholic. And so if this man goes and seeks help for his drinking or the wife is giving him ultimatums, like you need to stop drinking, that's his coping mechanism. And we all know how powerful depression is. And if he's not solving that underlying condition, then things aren't going to get better. Well, I think it's also important to understand kind of like what y'all stated at the beginning of this whole episode. Folks lost a lot during the pandemic, right? There have been drastic shifts at home, work-life balance. And for individuals who aren't those, you know, essential warriors who are out there, like having to keep, you know, the economy going and society alive, Mm -hmm. alive, Right. I mean, your husband or even, you know, the women of the world and men of the world and non-binary and everybody, they lost something in this. Right. I mean, me, I was able to drive 45 minutes to and from work and I lost that, you know, in a matter of, you know, 12 hours. Right. I remember saying, hey, we're going to test this thing out in case we need to work remote on a Thursday later that night. They said, "Never mind. We're not coming into work anymore." See you never again. Yeah, right. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm still remote, and I mean, you lose that, and you know, I think that there's a place for everybody's partner to kind of just allow that moment to be vulnerable and Mm -hmm. build that relationship and say, listen, I understand that you lost something. And if we can kind of talk about it, like, what do you need? Right. And maybe there's some other escape that they can do. If it's, if it's 45 in the minutes in the morning and the afternoon that they were losing in a car ride, like maybe there's some way that they can get out of the house around that time. But as long as 
you're willing to be vulnerable with your partner, chances are your partner will somewhat be a little bit more vulnerable with you as long as they can see it's kind of a and safe I think, space. But it's, men, is it hard, but it's hard for men to be vulnerable. Oh, it's so hard. It, yeah. It is hard for men to be vulnerable, but I think that that's, I think whenever you see it head to head and you are confronted with it so abruptly that it's like, okay, something's going on. I understand that you lost something. What do you feel that you lost? And for me, it was, you know, that time in the car, right? I mean, oh my God, it's such a sweet little, that's 90 minutes of alone time to like get ready for work and then decompress from work. That is so crucial to some people. And you're in, you're in the middle of the chaos all the time because our house is chaotic. Like there's no, I mean, we, we homeschool and everything. And personally, like I can tell when my husband's not okay. And I think a lot of these women that reached out to us are going through that same thing. However, if I say to Brandon, I feel like you're shutting down. I feel like you're not communicating anything that points the finger or sounds vulnerable. He shuts down and gets more defensive. Mm -hmm. So I've learned to say instead of that, hey, this is a really great time for you to go for a run. Hey, why don't you go? I need you to go pick up the groceries for me, which I mean, then I get stuff done too, but he gets to be in the car or hey, remember your resolution to meditate? Like, I don't know if you've done that lately. Like, why don't you go do that real quick? And so it's like almost giving him permission yeah. because I can tell like, if not, I'm going to lose my shit on him because of his attitude and then shit's going to explode. Like, it's not going to be good for anyone. And we've had to like really say that. And then he can tell when I get stressed out and he tells me to go work out. It's almost like you give your spouse permission. I think especially it's important for men because they see their family and they're like, I need to take care of my family. I need to be the man of the house. I don't need to go run by myself. Like, no, I'm going to help my wife. And I mean, that's admirable, but let's face it, like your mental health is Yeah. And I think like looking after your family, you know, to have that masculine, I guess, mindset of saying, I need to look after my family. I can't be vulnerable. But I mean, who are you really helping if you can't help yourself? Like if you're kind of just a shell of a person, you know, I mean, what, what good are you to your family at that point? Like, how are you, Absolutely. how are you helping Mm -hmm. and protecting them when you're not the same person that your family has in their eyes? I guess Your kids can see a lot more than you think they can. And they can see Mm -hmm. if daddy's not right. And they can see if the friction between mommy and daddy is higher. And you're right. You're not being being the provider that you're trying to be by not being vulnerable to be mm-hmm. vulnerable is the brave choice in this. It is. It really is. And I don't know if you found anything about this, Janelle, but something that I also find interesting is I have so many friends, majority are either in therapy or on medication for their mental health. However, when it comes to their spouse, they say, I think my spouse needs therapy or help, or I think my spouse needs, we need couples therapy, but they always say they're not willing to go. And so I don't know if that's like, if you found anything, if that's like a vulnerability thing or what, but I just, I think in like, even my dad, when my parents were getting divorced, my mom was like, let's go to couples therapy. My dad was like, no, I don't go to therapists. Ended their marriage. I wonder what that is. And I know that's something that came from this most recent generation before us, whatever we are. Therapy was definitely seen as um, the weak man sport. Like, and I- it, I don't know if it's because people like assume you go to therapy and somebody like rubs your back and you cry into like therapy yeah. is portrayed very poorly on TV for men, especially men have mm-hmm. this idea that you're going to go lay on a couch while some mm-hmm. women like sketches about you and you're going to like cry yeah. your eyes out. And there's very 
quote-unquote masculine ways to do therapy. I always remember, I don't know if anybody's seen the show Billions, but it's on mm-hmm. stars. And the guy is a billionaire that runs a company and he has a woman on staff that is his therapist whenever he needs her and he couldn't be more powerful he couldn't be more masculine there are ways to do therapy if you feel like this is like a chick game to do therapy you're not seeing the right therapist we have to tell our girlfriends this all the time you're not seeing the right therapist if you're not getting the results you want right if you're looking for a certain kind of therapy go through five therapists until you find your masculine therapist right and and get your ass there (laughs) yeah like I don't know I don't know Brandon, you might be able to drop in a little bit on this, but like I do know for Brandon, so he's been going to therapy for communication. Like we said, our whole lives switched when he was home and mm-hmm. we were having a hard time figuring it out. And I felt like it was more of an internal issue for him rather than a couple's issue. And so yeah. he sought out therapy and he didn't go with his first one, but she was a woman. And he said to me, like, it was okay. I'll keep trying. And I was like, if it was okay, no, like you keep finding someone, tell them, no, you want a new therapist. And now he sees a male. And I think that makes him a little more comfortable. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's- Or relatable. It's easy, yeah. I think it's easier to relate. And I think that it also, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's easier to kind of open up. It's easier to talk about things. I think whenever you have that point of frustration and you know, they can kind of relate, right? Because let's face it, even therapists have therapists. So yeah. I mean, yeah. they can, they can relate and, and they can guide you through that because I think when it all boils down, I think that issues at home are relatively standard across the board. It's just a matter of kind of saying like, Hey, I'm going through this and I guarantee you if you're in the right room, you'll probably have about five or six other people raise their Mm -hmm. hand and be like, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Janelle, I think you made a good point about how TV like stigmatizes therapists because first of all, the therapist is usually a woman and the patient, whenever they're a male, they're usually super needy and clingy and kind of a little psychotic with the exception of there are two shows that are currently out. One is This Is Us. The other one I could not remember the name of. They have started to normalize men in mental health. And I think it's a really cool movement because the men are masculine, they're powerful, they're heads yes. of the family. And I'm very grateful for that. Uh, but that's brand however, new. That wasn't step. a thing. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't and a thing a year ago. Shows again, I'm the only one watching it. He's not, my husband's not watching Jenna's it. Jenna's watching. Show. Like, yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> right? So it's like, we need to get these messages out to the men. However, we're kind of appealing still to the There is a woman really crowd. hard, and I've had to have Josh go to therapy I think he's gone two or three times and maybe two or three sessions each time and they were during like big weird parts of our life and I will attest that there is a big bridge that has to be built between the wife noticing something is off and the man Mm -hmm. walking into the therapist's office. There is some treachery there. There is some bolt. There is some lava flowing. It is a Mm -hmm. lot. And so I wanted to dig into my article a little bit that just talks about the initial conversation. I am not sure, and maybe Brandon can weigh in, in terms of what recommendations after hearing what the, all the therapists kind of recommend this same opening conversation. And then- For women to have with their husband? For you to, yeah, for women to have with their uh, male spouse. So- this is we linked this article in the show notes. Um, Dr. Boylan recommends cultivating the art of assertive communication. You tape take ownership of your feelings and concerns and communicate them without finger pointing. Mm-hmm. And you listen and provide your husband with unconditional emotional support. 
So practice using I statements, which we anybody who's ever spent a minute in mm-hmm. therapy knows the I statements. I'm worried. I'm concerned. I've noticed. And absolutely mm-hmm. avoid saying you don't seem like yourself or you haven't mm-hmm. been doing X as much as you used to. That's a really good point. That's extremely important. And I am mm-hmm. number one offender of this because whenever oh, I so notice something wrong with Josh, I'm like, um, you didn't used to drink this much. Why are you drinking like this all of a sudden? Mm-hmm. I'm not that I'm, I'm not comfortable with this. And, and like, so when his gate closes, his wall Yeah, he's up. like, yeah. first of all, I don't need to ask your permission. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so now we're in a full physical fun. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> but like now we're, WrestleMania has begun. <laughs> and so I am number one offender in this. And Josh will say, like, you need to approach things a different. I should mm-hmm. be in therapy for communication because I am the bad communicator in our relationship. And Josh is lovely. Like, he'll just be like, I'm worried about you and I want you to feel good. And how can I help? And I'm like, I don't like what you're doing here, 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 and here. And yeah. so I am not the person to give advice on how to get your husband to go to therapy or how to gently point out things you're noticing. And I think that mm-hmm. it's very valuable what you have said is to, you're not only giving him permission to do something for himself, but you're basically saying like, uh, code word, I see where you're at and I mm-hmm. need you to take this time for yourself. But you're but saying it took it in us a way- 10 years to get here because usually it was an explosion fight. And so in two years, I will get there. <laughs> Right? It's hard. I was going to say, I also saw on caregiver.com, which I linked, they said also, if your husband or your spouse is in a really bad mental place, you can go out and kind of take the first steps for him. And from the reverse, Brandon's done this for me. And a lot of times you can call their doctor and make them an appointment and explain to them, my husband is depressed. I'm calling to get him an appointment to get help. Usually you're already on their consent form. They'll talk to you. Brandon did that for me. And the only exception was, I think a psychologist, I had to talk to them. Yeah, I think that's but right. he made the phone call. He got through to the receptionist and I just couldn't make those steps. And so I imagine men do that too. So women, if your husband is bad and he is not listening to anything or you're scared because, I mean, let's all face it. We know depression can go down a really, really dark road and you can do that and then go with him. And if he starts resisting, say, I need you to do this for me. Please do this for me. Don't be afraid to beg and put it on yourself. This is for me. Please go to your doctor. I need you to versus Mm -hmm. you need to go get checked out. You need to because then they think something's wrong with them. And I thought that was a good point because, I mean, that has to be so scary to be in that situation when things get that dark. I mean, Brandon's been in it with me and you feel helpless. And so this is a way for women to help when things get that bad. Well, and I think that's a really good point too in that, and you and I have talked about this on the podcast with our own mental health. And one of my lists says talking to a man about depression and it's four steps point out how his behavior has changed using I statements. So you're not saying like, mm. you used to do this and now you don't do this. That's what I do. Is it but like what I, I see? Sh- yeah, I have noticed that you seem okay. a little bit, l- I've had this conversation with Josh. I see you're a little bit quick to jump on the kids when they're doing something that they don't, mm-hmm. that you don't normally get that upset about, like what's going on. Story um, yeah. Yeah. So point out how his behavior has changed using I statements, suggest a general checkup with their physician, offer to accompany him and encourage him, which Jenna and I love, encourage him to make a list of his symptoms on his Mm -hmm. bad days because your bad days aren't always going to line up with your doctor's appointment. Rarely. 
Very rarely. Rarely. And, and your I appointment's also, usually in the morning, so you feel great. Shit hasn't hit the fan yet. Hit and, <laughs> and I've had Josh, when I am struggling, uh, Josh is the first person I ask and I say, can you, or if I have a therapy appointment and I'm like, I don't know what to talk to my therapist about today. And I'll be like, could you give me some ideas? And mm-hmm. man is happy to give me some ideas about what to talk But that's a good point to do both ways is say, can I help you write a list of some of the things that are troublesome for you right yeah. now so you know what you want to talk about when you go in there if you're not in the right headspace. Yeah. That's something that we've done actually. It's my therapist has asked me kind of, you know, I think at the beginning of our session, pretty much every check-in, it's like, how's your weekend? Good. What do you got to talk about today? Or, you know, what Jenna give you a list about today? Like, I mean, it's not something to be super crazy about. And I think that a lot of the fear that men might have is kind of having everything pushed onto them as, you know, Mm -hmm. they're the ones to blame for everything, which I think is another huge misconception. I think it's, if nothing else, it's seriously just like sitting there and talking to somebody on the other end of the phone or, you know, on the other side of the couch if you're in person. And you, you really just talk about maybe the psyche and the mind for maybe about five minutes of the whole thing. And then other words, it's kind of just normal conversation where they can pick up on things. So, I mean. Well, and you can just vent too. If you want to yeah. go in and just vent to someone and not have it right. be your wife, that's going to be like, I didn't see it that way. Mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah. a very non judgmental ear to just kind of process through your emotions. Yeah. yeah. And I will say Jenna did that kind of the I statement thing with me whenever it came to a head, right? So I mean, I, mean, I think was... I even did it today because I've learned, but right. I'm not perfect at it because there are times where I'm like, you're acting just like, and I'll insert a name of somebody I know oh. that will push his buttons. Like, oh. So I, I do get to those, too. right? I get to those boil over points, yeah. but I see that they're not effective. And so I am working on it, but it's, it's hard. It's really hard because I wasn't raised in a house where we talk openly about our emotions. Like even with my dad, when I would talk about stuff, boyfriends, relationships, it was, oh, I don't want to hear this. Go talk to your mom. You know, and that even just shut me down and said, I said, okay, men don't talk about that kind of stuff. Let me go talk to my mom. I mean, my dad and I had great conversations, but even about mental health, he was very hesitant to open up to me about it. And I still don't think I got the whole picture and I really wish I did because that's something I struggle with. I mean, it was kept under wraps until I went to the hospital for anxiety attacks. And I'm like, you struggled with this when I was two and here I am 18 and I've that's never fun. even known, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I felt alone this whole time. Like it's, and I and think you thought there was something fundamentally wrong with oh you gosh. this whole time and you yes. didn't realize it was just your genes were Thanks, shitty. Daddy. Right. (laughs) And I know Brandon said that because I asked him like what kind of house he grew up in. And you said you don't talk about emotions. And yeah, I mean, it was very much a kind of out of sight, out of mind type of thing, which, you know, being around Jenna and kind of seeing how. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Right. Like how communication (laughs) is supposed to go. And, you know, even whenever her brother and I talk, I mean, I think it's a different level of communication that I've ever had or noticed. And I mean. Which is interesting because my brother grew up in the same household as me. And I mean, even with my mom, we talked a little bit about feelings, but there just wasn't a lot of that talk in general. Yeah. And, and it's my weird brother, some it's people so in the fan, it. it's very yeah. different in the nature. This isn't a nature versus nurture either because no. like I don't talk about my feelings. I always bottled everything up. I came from a house where we yelled about everything and mm-hmm. never talked. But my brother is extremely eloquent at yeah. speaking about his struggles and has always been open. And him and my mom had like this great connection. And like even during my dad's funeral, he would say like, oh, you know, that's not something that I'm interested in partaking in. And I'm like, oh. 
Oh, so you're just that mentally stable and open with this that you can just set a boundary and just walk right. away. Like I would never think to yeah. say something like that. No. Like that's not for me. So oh, we can do that? Yeah. Well, and I think also, I don't know about your brother, but I know with my brother, like labels are attached to men the second they show emotions. Like people are like, you know, he's sensitive. We have to be careful. It's like, no, you need to be kind, but you don't have to be careful. Like, yes. And sensitive, I think, has such a negative connotation for men. Really My son, I would say, is sensitive, and I think that is beautiful. I love Same. that he's sensitive, and mm. I think it's one of the greatest qualities, and I tell him that all the time. But I know that Brandon has struggled because he didn't grow up like that. But you've done a much better job about handling his wide range of emotions. And I think it's a beautiful thing that he is comfortable and that's something Brian and I have said, like, we want to foster in our kids. Like, we always want them to feel that comfortable expressing every range of emotion because, you know, anger is even thought poorly upon. And so men try and suppress that in other ways. And I think that fostering all those emotions when your kids are young is so important. And we still have to constantly check in on it, too, because I know mm-hmm. from my house, Josh will say, I catch Josh once a week pulling a, I catch myself once a week pulling a, oh, you don't need to cry over that. Oh my yeah. gosh, this is a, a a big kid wouldn't cry about this. Or my husband being like, oh, come on, let's man up, man mm-hmm. up, shake it off. And I'm like, Ugh. and we yeah. once a week. And it's a constant learning curve because that is how we grew up. And one exactly. of the articles I linked, which is amazing to read about sensitive kids is literally called mm. Boys Don't Cry, A Crying Boy Reflects on the Shame of Male Tears. And I was reading this article and it is he is so open and honest about it. He's just Andrew, so I can't cite him because that's how he wrote it. It is <laughs> phenomenally interesting, and it just that talks about good. what – and I remember the crying kid in my school, and we all thought mm-hmm. there was something wrong with him and that he must have been being, like, abused at home and something's wrong with him, and he's, or he's always weird, crying. Or, yeah. He's so weird. And this kid is that kid, and he talks mm. about – not that kid, but a kid that's yeah. exactly like that. And he said that he couldn't believe – people were so concerned that they were, like, calling in people to check in on his mental stability. And one of the kids said he was born without balls. And it's something he wrote here is that I do think that when we socialize men to be ashamed of fragility, of tears, of weakness, we are fundamentally stifling their humanity. Mm -hmm. And I think that is such an amazing sentence because humanity is being vulnerable. It is crying. It is being sad. It is being hurt. And when we condition boys from birth, that is wrong. Mm -hmm. We are really shifting their whole kind of mental anatomy, I feel like. Oh my gosh, that is so true. That's really true. Such a good story. Everyone go read it. It's linked in the show notes. It's so good, but it's kind of long, but it's a firsthand account of this boy's shame from over his non-boyish behavior, he calls Mm. it. It's just so interesting. And like at the end, I do want to go over like some tips that I found for kids. Yes. Because I think you made a good point. Like that's where it starts. Us as parents so, need to start. For, I'm going to interview Brandon now. So Jenna, you're kicked off the show. No, I'm just oh, kidding. Man. Brandon. And Jenna knows this and I, Brandon knows this is that I've also had issues with alcohol in my past. And I don't really – I don't self-identify as an alcoholic only because – and I went to AA – I've gone to plenty of AA meetings. I think they're rad. I'm going to start going mm-hmm. to Al-Anon once COVID's over again, which is the support group for – if you don't know, for the people that have alcohol are addicts in their lives and in their families, because I grew up in a household that had alcoholism. And 
I think that Brandon's definition of the difference between alcoholism and using alcohol as a mental health medication is very on point. I think the two Mm -hmm. can intermingle also. And I think my issues with alcohol stemmed from being unmedicated and depressed, but definitely I have the genealogy for alcoholism. So I think that they kind of morphed into that. And so, but I, Josh is the same. Josh is the other category where he got depressed and started drinking. He had had never drank at home. And during Mm -hmm. the pandemic, he started drinking nightly at home. And it was one scotch a night and sometimes a beer. But it was literally every night. And I was like, I'm not comfortable with this. And he was like, but I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not an alcoholic. And I was like, I feel, and I genuinely still believe he was suffering from some depression issues because our whole life was blowing up at the time. Our mm-hmm. planned house we were building was going away. We were going to move across the country. He wasn't able to travel. He was basically splitting up with his job. And like, if that's not a recipe for depression, I don't know what is. But he's always been able to pull out of it. And then when I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not into this. I don't want you doing this every night because I don't don't drink and it's not fun for me. He was like, okay, mm-hmm. that's the difference between alcoholism yeah. and self-medicating like Brandon talked about in my opinion. And Brandon, is that your thought or do you? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's, I think it's pretty spot on. I will say, you know, those conversations can be had with somebody struggling with addiction. The only thing that'll change is it just won't be in front of you anymore. Ever right? again. So, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So. Somebody that's struggling with addiction is going to go do it mm-hmm. in their closet. There is definitely your, you have alcoholism and mm-hmm. you are self-medicating with alcohol and they can blur together and become one if you have the predisposition in your genetics. I also think that men don't need to just say like, oh, I can't get any help, so I'm going to drink. And mm-hmm. that is something that I think happens all too often because they're afraid to go to their doctor. They're afraid to tell their wife they want to make a therapy appointment. And women can be judgmental. I mean, yeah. I if Josh came home tomorrow and was like, I'm going to see a therapist on Friday, I would freak the fuck out because mm-hmm. I've asked you to go to therapy and you've said no. And if he took the initiative to just go get a therapy appointment, mm-hmm. I would be genuinely concerned something was very wrong. Yeah. I know I got kicked off, but I'm coming back on. Um, fine. Fine. <laughs> so I also grew up in a house where alcohol was abused. And my brother and I have talked about this. And when my parents were going through a divorce, that kind of crumbled my brother and I's world because my parents' house was our safe place. And we didn't really know much was wrong. We knew there was some drinking issues. But when my parents said they were splitting up, we were shook. And I was living at home at the time. I was drinking because I was so anxious. You know, my brother and I were talking about it. And he was like, you know, do you think you got some of our parents' genes where you can't stop? And I was like, no, because my brother and I both stopped drinking at the same time. And I was telling him, a therapist told me that actually drinking and anxiety go hand in hand. However, it's one of the worst things you can do for your anxiety. 100%. So I was like, oh, that makes sense. So I just cut down drastically. My brother, however, told me that when he was going through these hard times and some depression, he was drinking to medicate that, but then he couldn't stop. Yeah. And he was like, it's all I thought about. And then I realized uh, yeah. I had some depression and I was drinking because of that. But then it triggered this alcoholic gene in me yeah. and it was just a landslide. And so he had just had to completely give it up. Yeah. And he's, 
said, and I know Brandon has said too, that also with men and drinking, if it's for your mental health, if it's because whatever, if you don't drink, there is so much shit given to you about it. Like, oh, oh man, yeah. up, just have one. Oh, what? You're not going to drink tonight? Like, what's wrong with you? You don't want to hang with the guys? And it's, I mean, it's affected our social life. It, it has, unfortunately. And my brother said the same thing. And of course, my brother has the fuck them attitude. And he's like, if they try and pressure me to drink, I'm like, fuck off and leave. But you know, trying to make friends has been difficult because they we say, oh, he's an alcoholic and people are like, oh my gosh, steer clear. That's a hard, yeah, that's a hard one. And I completely identify with your brother. Mine started with like, let's let's ease this mm-hmm. anxiety. And mine said, yes. I've talked about it on the episode before, it was insomnia. Like, guess what puts mm-hmm. you right to sleep? A few drinks of vodka. I always drank yeah. vodka. I never drank anything else. But your brother's completely right. However, and you said he's got that fuck him energy But my husband will say to me, like, I have to go to a business dinner tonight and I'm going to have a cocktail because we have made it a point in our renegotiations of drinking throughout our marriage that I like him to tell me if he's going to drink before he comes home because otherwise he comes home and kisses me and then I find out. And it always is like kind of a repulsive feeling to me. He was like, well, Thursday night I have to go to a work dinner and I'm probably going to have a couple cocktails. Something that if you're in a certain level of business and Brandon can probably understand Mm -hmm. this one, Josh's whole career has been an entertaining client. Yep. You can't have that career and not drink. I mean, someone maybe does, but yeah. it's virtually impossible. And that is a predominantly male issue. Mm-hmm. If your job is to entertain other male clients and take them out to dinner, you can't just be like, I'm good. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to lie. Whenever Brandon has, before COVID, had like business, like, get togethers or they would take him out to restaurants. Like I would feel like I was on pins and needles and then felt like kind of a detective when he got home because I'm like, and like, you know, and he is very open. Like I have to say, luckily you work for a great company, but especially when you get together with your guy friends, it's been an issue. Yeah. I mean, it has been an issue and it is one of those things that's very, I guess, expected in social situations to go ahead and, you know, have a beer and all that stuff. We're at a barbecue, have a beer. We're at, yeah. It's just one of those things. It was, I mean, drinking's not, doesn't really define people, right? I don't see the need to kind of have alcohol be the determining factor is if people are going to have a good time or who needs to be there or how comfortable people feel based on the level of how much they drink. I mean, you know, we don't drink, but we're still kick-ass to hang out with. You're pretty fucking fun. (laughs) Right. Well, and I'll just say it's so sad that society sees men as like, oh, if you don't drink, I'm not going to hang out with you. Or like you mentioned, like you're a pussy or whatever. Then put on top of that, no wonder men don't want to talk about their mental health because that's one thing. And I feel like alcoholism is talked about a little bit more than men's mental health. And so then if a man is like, oh, I have, I'm having a bout of depression or I'm having some anxiety, like I can't imagine they would ever feel safe opening up if other men are talking like that or society is talking like that. Well, I think that's the thing, right? I think it's the fact that addiction is maybe about like a quarter mile further down the road of kind of being destigmatized and kind of like you know, yeah. accepted to where the mental health of men, which That's I'm, such in, the, a I'm in the I'm in the ballpark mm-hmm. that you know addiction is under the umbrella of mental health, but in terms of like depression and all that stuff, right? I mean, mental health for men is something that is like very rarely acknowledged or accepted or identified, and I think that it's definitely a disease that lives in the darkness and thrives in isolation. So if you're a partner of somebody that you see or really kind of think is going through Mm -hmm. some sort of bout of depression or something with mental illness, I mean, 
it's not going to be comfortable. I can I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> yeah. It will not be comfortable to bring it up, but I think it's something that you do for those lives that you love yeah. and for the people that you see struggling is to kind of just bite down and bear it because the conversation is not going to be pleasant. It's going to get defensive. It's going to be far longer than either one of y'all want to talk about it. I mean, it's not going to be a five minute conversation. It's going to be days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's going to, there's going to be grudges. And I think if you can get past the initial shock and awe and embarrassment and realize that, you know, life is about building relationships and relationships about being vulnerable. You know, it's one of those things that you say, okay, I need to do this and be vulnerable with myself because if I can't be vulnerable with myself, how the hell am I being real with my family, with my wife, with my kids? You know, I think it's what's it's the kind fucking of point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's eye opening whenever you kind of take a step back and you look at where you were and where you are because I was yeah. very much in the same mindset and same camp that like I don't want to, I don't want to go to these meetings, I don't want to go to therapy, I don't want to do any of this. There's nothing wrong with me. There's a, there's a label other than and mental health issues that I can kind of chalk this up to. And it's yeah. it's not always the case. Well, and I will say, I know we've talked a lot about depression, but I found a few articles. There's one that I'll link. It's ableto.com. And it said, you know, we all know PTSD is common because we have veterans. Yeah. However, that is also common with women. And like I mentioned before, it's not just your men and women who came back from war. It's anyone who's experienced anything traumatic. And again, Drugs and alcohol are usually a coping mechanism. Depression, like we mentioned. And another one that I thought was interesting that was more common than I realized is eating and body image disorders. <laughs> and they tend to be unhappy with their body, somewhat obsessive. And the only unhealthy thing usually in their diet is alcohol. Or if they're kind of like the bodybuilding type, like trying to gain muscle and they're obsessed with it, then a lot of times they turn to drugs and I just thought that was so interesting because like we mentioned in a previous episode, we don't realize how these issues impact our boys because it's not talked about. Body image disorders are so common in men and especially with this whole like fitness movement, like you see these muscular, masculine, that's what you should strive to be. However, as women, we're starting to see more all bodies, men aren't really seeing that. And so they still mm -hmm. have that pressure and here they are, okay, I'm going to try and improve myself as best as I can. I'm struggling mentally. What can help me? Well, drugs, alcohol, and that's where you kind of get that dependent. And I feel like with women, a lot of times we get more of the sad, weepy crying. Men get angry and then do something about it. Like that's their mentality. Like I'm going to do something about it. Well, if they're not willing to go to their doctor and talk, chances are they're going to rely on some kind of substance. And I just thought that was all like very I completely agree. And I completely see that I and kind of I think to what Brandon was saying, we are entering, I feel like a new era where we're on the cusp of mm -hmm. jumping into men's mental health, but we're not putting our toe no. in the water yet. Like we're on the edge mm -hmm. of the pool and we're thinking about if we want to yep. get into it. But and I think addiction is further down the road that we're all just – I would love yeah. if by the time my kids are adults that addiction is like, oh, bummer, you got the yeah. gene and let's figure out how to go to some AA meetings. Like, right. 
I don't think we're near that. And I think we're very near normalizing men's mental health. Like you've said, you're watching primetime shows. It's on It's on a yeah. lot of TV and it's in a more glamorized setting versus what we saw in the 90s and early 2000s of like, oh, mm-hmm. Susan left me. Yeah. I'm crying to a woman. Like there's a whole, there's going to be a whole movement, I hope, that I hope so normalizes men's therapy and men's mental mm-hmm. health. But I do think it is important in what you and Brandon are doing and what I like. And I talked to a girlfriend the other day that said, like, I'm having a lot of trouble with my mental health and I'm screaming at my kids all the time because I'm switching Mm -hmm. medications. And I said, what I what happens at our house and I think probably what like when I'm in a bad mental health place, I check in with my kids and I say, Mm. mommy is not going anywhere. Mommy is always going to be here. She feels sad about Bumpa being dead and she feels sad about this and she feels sad about this. So she had an angry moment with you today and she's very Mm -hmm. sorry. And I think that you guys are very good about this. And I think Brandon probably talks a lot to Ezra about these types of things and probably Sissy if she gets older, but it's very important. So I think something that dads need to consider in addition to being vulnerable is changing the narrative around mental Mm -hmm. health for our sons. Yeah, I completely agree. And like, Like how do we bridge that gap? I think the man has to be open. First of all, I know personally, Brandon wasn't very open. It it was more eye opening when our daughter was born, because I saw a drastic difference in how he treated the two of them. I at first got angry. And then I started, okay, as a woman, my husband's probably not going to sit there and say, what can I do? Let me research this topic. So I went ahead and I researched it and I would send him little articles little videos, little snippets, anything off Pinterest, off Google, off Instagram, Dr. Becky at home, which I'll link. She has great ways on how to talk to kids. Yeah. Yeah. And I would send them to him and, and now all it takes is like a little reminder and he takes it very well, but I will say those conversations were tough. We really tough. Yeah. We disagreed over it. He wasn't very open to it at first. And so what would you say, and my thought process, and tell me what number you think. So we had a lot of people asking, how do I even approach this topic Mm -hmm. with my husband? So let's let you know, first of all, and I will just speak from my experience, assume the first two to three times you bring it up, it's going to be a nightmare. Yes. And it you will be just a fight. Need to use yeah. them as testers and know you're not going to get results. I'm the type mm-hmm. of person that wants to have one conversation yep. and see an action plan. And I would like that action plan notarized and completed in a timely manner. And you complete every step on that action and plan. And there will be no skipping every steps. You'll make your yep. own appointment, find your own insurance card. Like, Yes. Assume you're going to have two or three test runs. And I wish someone use, told me that because it was huge I, fights at our house. Don't you wish? Because I was mm-hmm. always like, oh my God, he's never going to change. We should just get divorced yep. right now. It's never yep. going to get better. He's never going to go. <laughs> I mean, yep. overgeneralizing also. But <laughs> I think that if women can know going into this, it's going to take a few tries and it's going to mm-hmm. take some really ugly, gross conversation and it's going to be uncomfortable. And don't do it when your kids are up. And sorry, no. you're going to have to skip your Netflixes that night. He's yep. going to be he defensive just like you would. Like, yep. yep. He's going to lash out maybe just mm-hmm. like you would when he's like, you're you're being real grumpy lately. Is your period coming? You're going to mm-hmm. fight him. He's going to yep. fight the same way. Like it's yeah. that's their trick. Trigger and it's it's okay and don't take any of it to heart and just try to stand strong and try not to fall into the trap because they're trying mm-hmm. not sorry Brandon if this isn't true 
The person that is in the, I've been that person. The person in the depression is trying to set a trap for you to fall into so that they can deflect Mm -hmm. the situation. And if you can avoid jumping into the trap and just be like, okay, well, I just wanted to let you know what I feel. And I want you to just kind of think about it over the next couple of days and let's, let's touch back on it. Yeah. And I think try to solve it. Yes. You made a good point. Like if you keep calm, chances are there, if you start reacting one, that's what they want to happen. They want you to explode because now you're both in the wrong. However, if you stay calm, hopefully they will start to realize like, oh shit, like I just blew up for no reason. Maybe something else is wrong. And they've probably known that something is going on, but they've never put a label on it. And I know we saw a therapist right when we first got married, our first year of marriage. And he said, men have this idea that they have to basically be perfect. Like they think they have to continually woo their woman. Yeah. So they're going to do whatever that takes. They might lie. They might hide things because they don't want to come off as a failure or not Mr. Prince Charming. And so when you come at your husband saying, I've noticed something is wrong, something's going on, it is calling out a flaw and he is going to get defensive because we've been there. Yeah. I mean, I think the main thing is to kind of just stay calm because, you know, I'm not sure how it is in your house, but here it's, oh yeah, you're going to go up one notch. I'm going to go up two. Oh, Let's you're going up it. two. I'm going up four. Like, or I'll just shut down <laughs> Yeah, it's like, and I'll just be quiet and give you one word answers. And that makes me even Or Jenna will storm out to her car with her bag, with her satchel over her shoulder, and she's gone. I didn't leave. I actually went on a run then. And I'm like, with your satchel or just on your own? No, I left it in the car. But I think you're very right. Like men are expected to kind of be this like pillar of the family and everyone can depend on them. And when they get a little bit rocky, it's like, oh, well, I'm not Mm -hmm. doing my man job. And let's meet it in a place of sympathy because I know from myself and I'm terrible at this, but I'm going to those who can't play coach. So if I come at Josh and say, babe, I love you. I love our family. I love our life. I love our kids. You work so hard for us. And I'm obsessed with this life you've given us. I'm nervous that something that you're doing is jeopardizing some of these things. That's a much different conversation Mm -hmm. than the conversation I had with him last night where I came downstairs and was like, well, I was giving the kids a bath. You were sitting down here eating on your phone and then didn't wipe off the counter and then didn't da 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 and you didn't load the dish. Like that's a much, there's two, those are two different conversations to have Mm -hmm. with your partner. And one of them is coming from a place of love. And one of them is coming from a place of, I need to vent because I've reached my limit. Well, and I will say like when we struggled with Brandon's alcoholism, when it was at its peak, I knew he had a drinking problem. And someone early on told me, do not tell him to go to AA. Do not threaten him. Like if you don't go to AA, I will not marry you, that kind of stuff, because it needs to come from within. So having these little conversations with your spouse, I think is hopefully going to be eye-opening for them. And unless they're in a really, really bad place, just try not to tell them you need to do this. You can put it on yourself. Hey, do you think you can maybe go to therapy with me? Or we can try couples therapy because I'm struggling. Because I know like with Brandon, it wasn't even intrinsically motivated until a few years later. And you had a slip up because of that. 
And when you had that slip up, I was like, I just need some time to myself. I am not going to be treated like this. And I was like, I'm not leaving you. However, I'm leaving the situation. And I left. And I think that was eye-opening for him because usually I would just blow up and- You failed. You this, you that. And I I didn't tell him to go to AA, but I think I mentioned, I think you have a drinking problem. And then things got bad. And then he tried to fix it by going to AA, but he was going to AA because of me. He was not admitting he had a problem. And so it was not serving him at all until that happened. And and I think that's been eye-opening You can't change anything for other people and no no one can change anything unless they want to. I I always joke, I have quit a million things in my life and it's because I wanted to. If Josh had – like when Josh and I were dating, I was still smoking and – if he had been like, I'm not into smoking, I'd have been like, good day See then you later. to you. Exactly. And he's and like, the it's same fine. Yeah. And then I was like, and it's time for me to quit now. And mm-hmm. I will quit on my first try. And I quit yeah. everything on my first try because I yeah. do it when I'm ready. If Josh ever tried to rush it, I'd be like, ha nice. Yeah. Try. No. <laughs> well, and so I think that's so important to say, like, women, if you are in this situation, don't label your husband. No. I mean, I made that mistake. And I think that it hurt us at the beginning. So don't get your husband saying, I think you're depressed. You can go to them and say, I see that things are a little different. And I feel like maybe you're mm-hmm. having a little bit of a hard time or work has been stressful. I can see that and try and relate yeah. to them. But just, I mean, most husbands, I don't know about you, but like, I don't feel like men respond well to labels, especially yeah, that have I been mean, associated I, with women. Yeah. And I think it's also needs to be said that I don't think it's any partner's place to diagnose the other. Right. And yeah. I mean, I, I think all you can do is try to guide them in the right direction, offer your support and your love and, you know, your lack of judgment. And yeah. maybe, you know, if it's easier to go as a couple to couple therapy and talk about things that on how the new normal is impacting both of you. I mean, who knows? Maybe that's an easier way to dip your toe into the water as opposed that's to a good kind of point. Just pushing mm-hmm. them out the door and be like, I really think you need to go. Would it be helpful if you saw a therapist? Like, you know, going it together because you're clearly both going through something, right? And so couples therapy, I don't think needs to be 100%, you know, marriage-based. I mean... Yeah, and I think a lot of men also think especially if they are having a hard time. I know I've had a few friends tell me that their husbands don't want to go to couples therapy because they think the therapist is basically going to yell at them and point fingers. It was great. It's the best. I I went out and the therapist was like, Jenna, why do you think? And I was like, dude, I am out of here. Not me, man. And I just cried. Not my bar, not my pig. And I kind of just like. And so I think maybe approaching it from a situation of like, I need this because I need to know how to communicate with you. I need to know versus if you start putting it on your husband, they're going to be hesitant to go and they're going to be like, oh my gosh, they're going to tell me everything is wrong with me and I'm doing everything wrong. And I think it's scary. I mean, it's scary for me to go to a therapist on my own and that's for mental health issues. And so I can't imagine like, yeah. yeah. So. Good, I love it. Good, I'm like, I can't wait to open my box of shit on you, new therapist. Yeah. <laughs> right? I think oh. a good therapist also will kind of just let you sit mm-hmm. in silence and look at each other for about 45 minutes if you want to. I mean, yeah, you know, it's not. And I will say like from our experience, like we've never had a therapist say, you did this, you did that, you need to stop doing that. But she was able to relate what I was going through to Brandon in completely different terms. Yeah. And then she was re- able to, I mean, she opened my eyes that, hey, guess what? You're going through all this shit and your husband's expected to hold it together. Guess what? He's grieving too. Yeah. You need to no be idea. sensitive to that. And I was like, I kind of went in there thinking they were going to yell at him. She's going to get him. Right? And it was eye-opening and she said it in the 
kindest and most compassionate way to where I didn't feel bad, but I was like, oh shit, like he also lost my mom. I mean, he even said today, like, I miss your mom. Like it happens for him too. And it's, it's eye opening. And if you have a good therapist, they're not going to make either of you feel like shit. They're going to give you stuff to work on. They're going to hopefully, you can ask for homework too. We like to ask for homework when we go. Jenna likes to ask for homework. <laughs> well, because I'm yeah, like, Brandon's like, we right? know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, when shit hits the fan at home, I'm like, what can we do? Like, do not just sit here and talk to me. Like, give me real strategies, what we can do, because things are fine and hunky-dory in your office, but when we're home and under the stress of everyday life, things are not this good. So find a therapist that can help you with that. And And I think I want to circle back to what Brandon said and like, maybe this is our time when we can change the narrative. So what Brandon Mm -hmm. said was maybe come at your partner and say, hey, I kind of was thinking we could go to a, and I don't think you should use marriage counselor because that has that like 90s connotation of like, we're on the verge of divorce, but we're going to give it one last good go. I think we should maybe see a couple's counts or couple's whatever, uh, a couple's professional Mm -hmm. and talk about our new normal because this last year created kind of an interesting moment where we can use the quote unquote new normal as our jumping off point. So We've all had to redefine homemaker roles, worker, workplace ideals, gender roles have been so shifted in the home. So let's go to somebody that's a couples professional that can help us navigate this new normal. Mm -hmm. That sounds so unthreatening to me. Like I am down for that idea. And even (laughs) bring your kids into it because I know personally like we've struggled because our kids' world's changed and we're carrying our load plus their Uh, mental and emotional load. And it's heavy. Like we are very open with our kids, but at the same time, we do struggle in silence and it's, it's hard and it's heavy. And so even bring your kids into the, the equation, like maybe we can even find some ways to help our kids or to help us with the burden of our kids and their whole world changing because it's hard. Everything's hard. Like It is. Our kids is the way we parent our children has, Josh and I had to have a talk about it last night about how we have to treat Mikey because the way we parent our children has Mm -hmm. changed 90% since the beginning or since 2019. And we have different, a, a completely different dynamic now we've all had to re-examine how we parent each child through this and that is such a reason for friction in a marriage I mean we were already in therapy for that so (laughs) and then you add on the pandemic so we're coming behind you and so another thing my article said was and which we've talked about 12 times so our first step that we've decided as a as a triangle Mm -hmm. of experts that we've (laughs) self-nominated is that PhD, we don't know what it stands for. Um, is that we expect it's going to take two or three tries. Uh-huh. Our second one is, and this is from the article that is linked on the website, their rejection may be a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. They realize you are recognizing their symptoms and they thought they were doing such a good job hiding them. Fuck yeah. I always think I'm doing a good job hiding it. Always. And everyone You're calls not. me out. You're <laughs> not. And so it says it's easy to react negatively to someone who's unwilling to get help, but stick with them and maintain communication, continue to check in and encourage them to get help. And I think what the one word that stuck out to me was symptoms that you said, because we tend to overgeneralize. I might say, okay, my husband is X, when in reality, something else is completely going on and he just has 
something going yeah. on at work that I don't know about. Yes. I mean, there's been times where we get down to the root of what's bothering Brandon and I'm like, oh, to me, that wasn't this even a big deal. has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, and then we solve it together or, you know, say it's something stressful at work that he's waiting for to happen. And after that happens, things are so much better. And so those are just small situations, but don't assume you know exactly what's going on with your significant other and focus on the symptoms. Like I see X, Y, and Z versus you are X, Y, and Z. And I think that's a really good point in that I also do want to play devil's advocate. Um, We have depression. And so we assume Mm -hmm. everyone has depression because we all should have depression because the world is insane. And I think everyone should be afraid of it. Right. But I think that we can also, and this is, ha- I've lived in Chicago for what, three weeks. Mm-hmm. And in that time, Josh and I have had 15 times where I'm like, you're acting weird. Something's going on with you. Mm-hmm. And then he'll be like, oh, well, you didn't ask about my day today. And I had a really bad meeting and a customer wrote a bunch of mean Yelp reviews. And now I have to go meet with that customer at 6am tomorrow and give them basically mm-hmm. a new car and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, he's spiraling into a depression. So <laughs> Let's also assume that not everything is a depressive episode Mm -hmm. and let's assume that people can just have shit days. Yeah. But if it is truly depression and you are seeing the symptoms that Jenna is going to bring up shortly, are you going to read us our men's symptoms? I mean, most of them were just like- What we talked about? (laughs) Yeah. Jenna just came to talk about (laughs) anger, but I also have um, a slightly more comprehensive list. (laughs) Genesis is like, let's talk anger. Um, Lack of engagement, Mm -hmm. change in communication patterns, changes in hygiene or sleeping patterns, displays of sadness or anger, Mm -hmm. and withdrawal from social outlets. And that's all stuff that I personally go through. Yeah, but those are these episodes. Yeah. So make sure that you're checking up online Mm -hmm. what the symptoms of depression are. And Mm -hmm. those quizzes that we take at the doctor every time we go are available online. It has a Mm -hmm. name, I always forget it. But you can just type that in and check off for them and make sure you're really dealing with depression and not just like a bad dark mood swing or Mm -hmm. a bad few days at work or fucking ask them. I could try to fucking ask people questions once in a while and be like, how was your day? And then you could tell me, how shitty his day was and that I wouldn't have to keep diagnosing him with depression. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I know personally, like I'm overly sensitive to it, even in my kids, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I am very protective and I love the people in my house. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, my husband might snap at me and I'm like, oh, that's anger. Like click, check that box versus, you know, he just didn't sleep well. And so I think you're right. Like we are, especially if you've struggled with mental health, we are very- We're hyper vigilant about mental I'm health very because like with my kids the world is scary yeah. and we think, think ah. everyone should be afraid. But in yeah. that same scope, so for me to say it might not be depression, we also mm-hmm. want to put the disclaimer and I'm going to read it verbatim. Take any remarks about suicide Seriously. Mm-hmm. We linked the number. I'm going to read it 1 800 273 8255. This is a 24 hour helpline. I have linked it in the show notes already. There should never be any reason to ignore someone making yes. threats about others or themselves. And I will say, as a person who's gone through really dark episodes, when that talk comes up, that is red flag on top of red flag because. Yes. To be able to say anything life-threatening or the word suicide, things are dark. Things are real. You do not. Like you do whatever it takes Mm -hmm. to get that person help. And don't be judgmental. I will say... 
the first time that I really struggled with depression, Brandon, I felt it was a little judgmental and that was very hurtful. And then I felt scared and I felt like I had to hide it. So I did. And then the second time he saw I was chatting because they also have a chat feature with somebody on the suicide hotline. And I think he panicked at first, but then I think it was very eye-opening for him. Like, shit, we need help right now. Yeah. Um, but there is so much that goes into actually somebody saying, I am thinking of taking my life or I'm mm-hmm. thinking about suicide or I need to call. If they are saying that, they need help right this second. Yeah, it's right not, the second. And yeah, they are, it's not they, something to mess around with. And I, spoiler, not spoiler alert, I'm almost crying, but it's, I'm going to be <laughs> fine. I was actually, nobody knows this in the world and I might edit it out. We'll see. Um, <laughs> I was on a 5150 hold at one point due to my family being concerned about the state of my mental health. What and is 51, that? 51, okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't, you don't even, even know. That know one. But do you not remember Britney Spears circa 2000 and what was it seven? She was placed uh-huh. on a 5150. It's a you're if someone believes you're a danger to yourself or others, mm-hmm. they can have you involuntarily committed for 72 hours to a psychiatric mm-hmm. hospital. And my family got concerned enough with myself that they were able mm-hmm. to put me on a 5150 hold. And so if someone in your house goes down dark enough and things mm-hmm. are spiraling out of control and you're concerned about your kids and you don't know how to get out and you don't have somewhere to go and they're making threats against you or themselves, you can call and have them placed on a psychiatric hold where they, where they will be fully – and this isn't something to play around with. Don't do it because you have a no. fight with your fucking husband. Don't be a oh dick. Yeah. But do it if you're scared for yourself, you're scared for your kids, or you're scared for your partner. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to do it because they will be fully evaluated. They will have a full med check. I had all my meds yanked and put on all new meds. I came out of there in a much better place. And mm-hmm. there are options. I never want a spouse to be sitting at home afraid and thinking they have nowhere to go and no one will make this person leave and they don't want that person to go to jail. There are options that are humane to help yeah. your partner get the help they need. And like you said, don't take this lightly. But I will say when I was at that point to where I was reaching out to the suicide hotline, I wanted someone to check me in. But Somebody I didn't needed to yeah. have the nerve or I don't even know the energy. I don't know the right word. I just, I couldn't do it yeah. myself. What is the I was, word? I don't, I don't have know. the gas left yeah. in my gas tank to make it like yes. the last mile to get yeah, to the right? gas station. And it's, yeah. there's shame associated. And it's when you are in that tunnel vision of things are so bad, there's a lot of steps to commit yourself and to find a <sighs> place. I just Mm. couldn't do it. But I was like Googling rehab centers for anxiety and absolutely. Yeah. But of course I'm like 30 weeks pregnant. So no one's going to take me. And you're a woman. So you don't have the pride on top of it that this Mm -hmm. is a completely different conversation for someone like Brandon or any man in general, someone like Brandon or a man. man. (laughs) The shirt is confusing. Anyway, (laughs) it's pink. Josh is wearing his worst salmon. purple shirt today. It's salmon and it's got a skeleton salmon. on it, so it's fine. <laughs> but it's a, but would you, like, you wouldn't feel, oh, and Josh has said this too, because after my dad passed, there was a point when Josh was like, I think you need to go away somewhere for a while and get your head right. And I have said to him, like, would you ever be able to go away somewhere and get your head right? And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, no, I can't leave work and be like, I'm going on a, 
retreat to get my mm-hmm. head right. And so yeah. you and I are women and we are lucky that we have that luxury mm-hmm. to be able to say, I got to check out a life for a minute because I'm yeah. fucked up. I don't think men have that same luxury. No, I, I would agree. I mean, I don't, I mean, even they with do his, have the same luxury. Yeah. I think it's just hardwired that you can't take no. it. Right? Exactly. I mean, exactly. I think that's the difference. I think it's just, it's like vacation at work, right? Like, I think men are less likely to take their vacation at work because they're afraid they're going to miss out on something. And it's just, you know, vacations for mental health, right? That's Mm -hmm. why it's there. And it's the same thing for resources like y'all are talking about, right? I mean, if you need to go to therapy, if you need to check out, like it's there for a reason. I mean, shouldn't be stigmatized like it is, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's not going to be when our kids are grown up because we're going to fucking fight the fight. And And our kids are going to make a difference. Yep. I can't wait. I can't either. Like my kids think anxiety, depression, all of that is a normal part of life. And well, and it is for your people. Cool. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is, is for anyone. For like, my, it is mine too. Yeah. Well, I know even when Brandon's had anxiety over things for work, he's like, this is how you feel. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I cannot imagine feeling like this all the time. And so yeah, I feel like, like everyone has thing. had, yeah, everyone has had those little bouts. If we can just normalize it. And, and this doesn't right, mean if your husband is going through this, it doesn't mean that one, you're doing anything wrong or two, that this is a lifelong thing. Because I know my brother didn't really get anxiety anxiety until my mom passed. Now I would say it's under control. My grandma didn't struggle until my mom was super sick. While my mom was sick, she struggled. Now she's off medication. So like this could just be a phase as well. And I think that's another point to make in one of these articles I was reading and it said, men don't see depression as an illness. It is an illness by all dictionary mm-hmm. definitions. It's in, it's a medical condition yeah. that requires – think of it as having bronchitis. Mm-hmm. You have to go to a doctor. You have to take medication. Yeah. This is an illness just like strep throat. This Did is it an say illness. what they think of it as? Like just they, – They think of it as – Oh, she's in her head or – Yeah, and men, men don't see it as I need to – This is a treatable condition that requires – therapy and medication, just as any real illness Mm -hmm. requires a doctor and medicine. This Mm -hmm. is a real illness. This isn't something you're imagining. And it doesn't get better. It only gets worse. Mm -hmm. And I mean, maybe some people have like a miraculous recovery. Good, good, good. But for the vast majority, it requires drugs and it Mm -hmm. requires some sort of therapy intervention. Yeah. Or you just stay this way until your kid is five today. Mm -hmm. And if you go to therapy and you get on medication, your kid will be six and you'll be healthy or he'll be 10 and you'll be the same as you are today. That's true. And you know, I know we're trying to normalize all of this, but sometimes for men, just tell them, we don't have to tell anyone about this. If that's what they need to get into the door, fuck normalizing it for right now. Let's put a pause on this and get your husband the help he needs. And this can be your little secret. You don't have to Mm -hmm. tell your kids. You don't have to tell anyone. And then when your husband feels ready to start talking about it, if he does, then let him. But not everyone. And if he never does, he doesn't have to. You and I love talking about our shit. And I have so many people Mm -hmm. reach out to me and say, don't share this with anyone. But I've had this, this, and this struggle. That's yes. not your cross to bear. Jenna and I are no. fine talking about it because it doesn't bother yeah. us. And Brandon's fine talking about it because he's in a place where he has kind of crossed the bridge. But And I re- don't, don't be really out- give him an option. No, I'm just kidding. Don't be out there <laughs> blabbing your husband's fucking therapy session right? to your girlfriends and make your yeah. husband a promise that you will mm-hmm. keep it a secret for him until he and doesn't want it to be a secret. a secret anymore. And you'll keep yep. your fucking trap shut. Yep. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, we kept Brandon's alcoholism under wraps for quite a while because yeah. he wasn't ready to talk about it and it wasn't my business. And I was going to work every day with this mental load of knowing we were struggling with this, but I kept that for him. Mm-hmm. Do that for your husband. Yep. <laughs> what else, so. Brandon? What else can we do to support you all? No, I mean, I think what I think, said is- Yeah. Like and I think like what we talked steps. about is, so that's like what we said, that's how you can help your husband. But I think it starts in the home. And I know- Brandon wasn't very open about alcoholism, anything until we had kids. And I was like, we're going to normalize this shit. And the first conversation I had with him, like, you're going to share your story about drinking with our kids because it's in their gene pool. He was a little uneasy and you weren't. And now you openly talk to our kids about it. And I think it's, I I think it starts at home. I completely agree. I completely normalize it with your boys, your girls, everybody. Yeah. We talk about it with our kids and my kid, you know, not drinking as a mom is also really weird. All of Mm my mom friends drink and my kids see it. And why does, and my husband has alcohol in the house and has a beer or whatever. And they Mm -hmm. always say like, why don't you drink? And why do you, they they only know beer. Why does Mm -hmm. dad, drink beer and you don't drink beer. And I say, well, beer isn't something that mommy does well drinking and dad is fine drinking it. And as you get older, you might find out that you don't do well drinking it and Mm -hmm. you need to be okay checking in with yourself and saying, this doesn't work for me. And so my kids are still like pretty young and pretty naive about all things, but we are always going to have those conversations. And my Mm -hmm. parents never prepared me. I had no no idea. I knew my mom was an alcoholic, but I didn't know anything about the Mm -hmm. genealogy of it. So I just went to college and started having anxiety and insomnia and just drank my face off. Mm -hmm. And then I became a young adult that just was still doing it. And Mm -hmm. it was not something that was ever talked about with me. So it was not normalized with me. And I hope that it's different for our kids. Well, and I'll say like, I went and I talked to my dad and I was basically like, I don't like when mom drinks because I don't like the way she talks to me. She forgets to pick me up places. My mom was a wonderful mom and you know, I think the world of her, but she did Mm -hmm. struggle Mm -hmm. And that was her struggle. And it was hard on me as a child. And my, I asked my dad to talk to my mom and my dad said, no, she won't take it well. So being the hard headed child I was, I went and talked to my mom and asked her to stop drinking and it did not go well. No, your dad was was the end of it. It, That was the end. I mean, she said mean things to me. Yeah. It, it, she also never admitted she had a drinking problem. And so that was a big part of it too. And so As a kid, I'm like, okay, we don't talk about this. And so now that I have kids, I'm like, fuck that. We're talking about it all. We're talking about all of it. (laughs) So on Better by Today, which was a really cool website. I had never really navigated that one. It's from NBC.com. They have a whole like better section. Talked about how that we can help kids cope with mental illness, mental struggles as they become teens and adult. And the first one, like we said, was model positive sharing about emotions and challenges. Love that. For example, label your emotions. I will say, I'm sorry, mommy got mad. I'm sorry, mommy got angry. Or mommy is feeling like she is at her end and I can't go any further. Mommy is feeling and label your emotions and your kids will start to, and it's kind of funny, like it's so the cute. labels are kids and they'll use them inappropriately sometimes. And so I'll have to be like, you mean, um, like Ezra the other day, he said something made him mad and he was like, I feel nauseated. And I was like, <laughs> oh honey, you know, it was a good word. Maybe he was so right? mad. He was nauseated, oh gosh, Jenna. Right? That's true. 
And I think he, he was trying to say he was like furious or something. We found out what word it was, but it was, it was adorable. So model by labeling your own emotions and your challenges. Um, if you have a mental issue, disclose it appropriately, of course. Don't sit there and be like, daddy drinks and daddy then yells or, you know, whatever. Like talk about it in kid-friendly terms. Like daddy drinks because like, mommy's the worst and I'm exactly, yell at all right? of you. So talk about it. Give the names of what you're struggling with. Like I say anxiety and depression. If you see a therapist, don't just say, oh, mommy has an appointment. Tell your kids and say, this person helps me. Because I know like your son went through therapy and that was probably a little nerve wracking for him. And the more we normalize that, if our kids have to go to therapy, it's going to be seen as a safe place. My kids have also gone with the therapist to the therapist with me because like babysitters have canceled or whatever. And they think it's the greatest thing because usually these are really kind people. And I do plop on headphones so that they don't hear me talk um, and give them an iPad, but they see it as such a positive thing. And we're like, they're like, when can we go back to see mommy's therapist? Yeah. Um, If you take meds, disclose that. My kids know these are mom's meds and this is why I take them. Mommy's brain doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And I know Janelle and I have talked about this, a big proponent for also saying there's other ways to stay mentally healthy. And one of our big ways is one, we eat healthy and two, exercise. Whenever I have a breaking point, yeah, I'll say I need to go meditate or I need to go for a run because it's usually during homeschool. Because if mom, if not, mom is going to get very mad and say things that I regret. Yeah. And yeah, it's fine to do that. So it said also ask questions, even with nothing, when nothing is wrong with your kids, get them into the habit of asking open-ended questions. Just as simple as like, how was your day? What was your favorite thing at school today? And get them to answer these questions so that when things come up, they're used to this open back and forth dialogue. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, I liked that too because I know I'm Put not always net great at that. In there. Yeah, yeah, that's especially because we're with our kids all the time, and yep. we just assume we know because we are with them all the time that we assume that we know what's wrong with them. And then I'm yes. always shocked when Mike he's like, "Actually, I'm frustrated because this happened yesterday," and I'm like, "Oh my god, oh. I thought we were talking about right now." <laughs> Yes. Um, Neutralize your tone. This was a big must on my list because it's something that I've dealt with personally. You know, like just like over text message, somebody can say something that sounds bitchy, but they meant it in a kind way. But if you had talked to them over the phone, you know, tone of voice goes a long way. So when your kid tells you something, don't have a huge reaction or be like, oh my gosh, why would you ever? If you feel that way, just be like, wow, I'm really surprised by that. I would like to know more. Your tone of voice goes a huge way. Always start the conversation. So don't just start pelleting questions at your kids. Be like, hey, guess how my day was today? And go into it, show them, model the, yeah, model how a conversation goes because a lot of times kids don't know or teens are very shut off. And be honest with them about my day was rough because X, Y, Z, or I'm so proud of myself. They need to also know how to build themselves up. I'm so my proud kids of myself. talk about or, how proud they are of oh themselves God. all Isn't the it time. The best? I want to be like, pipe it down now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This one is big for today. No screens or distractions. So if you're, and that goes for both parties. Don't be yes. on your phone and don't try and come at them when they're watching their show. Like they're not yeah. going to want to talk to you no matter their age. I'm here now. Turn it off and let's <laughs> right? talk. Feel it. Exactly. Feel out the moment, people. If you have little kids, emojis are really popular right now. And so they can point to them and say, and then you model it and say, oh, it looks like maybe you're angry. If the emotion that they point to 
doesn't fit, like if they're laughing and they point to angry, just continue to explore and have open conversations when you experience those emotions. Um, And the last tip, if they don't want to talk with you, enlist someone else. And one, don't be offended. Don't be, why can you only talk to Janelle? Why can you only talk to your aunt? And two, it does not have to be a professional. They can talk to anyone. If they're more comfortable talking to dad and don't ever bring it up. Why do you only talk to dad about this stuff? No. I think Janelle and I have said with my daughter, if she's not comfortable with stuff, I'm going to be like, go ask Janelle. Like talking to me about something, go ask Janelle. I'll always answer. Yes. Because sometimes your kids, they want, especially young kids and early teens, want their parents to think highly of them and want their parents' approval. And so if they've done something wrong or something bad is happening, they might not want to talk to their parents about that. And that's okay. So I've already said that when Zach starts asking me questions about sex, I'm sending them to you because I know (laughs) that my creeped out reaction is going to put shame onto him because I was raised in a sex shamed environment. And so I know that Zach is going to Miss Jenna to talk about this because you're not going to make it a weird shame conversation where I'll be like, yeah. And that's not a good like jumping off point for like an open dialogue. Yeah. And so even if your husband's not struggling with any of that, like use those tips with your kids. We are not perfect at this. Like we've said a million times, Brandon and I got to where we are and we're still not perfect. Like I mentioned in a marriage episode, but this year has been hard on our marriage. Oh, don't give me. He gave me a look. It was oh my God, not. I was like, oh shit, you didn't tell him? We have openly said that. And so it, it could be worse. It definitely could be worse. But I think we've also gained a lot through this. But I mean, for those people who say this pandemic year has been the highlight of their lives, kudos to you. And I just want to know. Yeah, I'm calling bullshit on that. Yeah, I don't believe you're lying. <laughs> right? Unless they're like one of those people that loves being alone and like lives in Hawaii. I mean, I could definitely see that. Like, yeah. But, I mean, but uh, we said, yeah, you're right. Everywhere. It's- everywhere. Everywhere you turn, everywhere. this isn't hunky-dory land of 2019 no. anymore. It's like, no. did I walk in a restaurant and somebody coughed and did that? Were they facing oh me and gosh. was the wind blowing east and is the ventilation yep. like everywhere you go, you're yeah. thinking about things you never had to think of before? And was pulling my kid out of school the right choice? Was mm-hmm. is my husband working from home the right choice? Should I move my family? Should I? There's so much shit happening so fucking fast right now yeah. that everyone, yeah. if you're not depressed, I'm concerned that you don't <laughs> exactly. see what's happening around. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So if you mess up on these. Just start over the next day. Every little step helps in terms of your husband and your kids. Yeah, and I think that's super important to say too. I mean, I think it's one of those things that, you know, take the small wins whenever you're dealing with them, especially in dealing with like men or your Mm -hmm. husband or imagine this episode's focus more towards men's health. But I think it's, (laughs) I I think that's important to know. I think it's take the small wins, Mm -hmm. take the one day that things work and you'll string enough of them together to where it may be a week and then you may have a couple bad days and it may be a month of good times. Like, I mean, it's not going to be magical, like right out of the gate. Oh, so just keep It's going to be messy at first. It's I feel like fucking we'll TV has made it. I feel like that's right because I think that what Brandon said is really true too. Is Gosh. Media has given us this impression that you're going to have one conversation and they're going to be like, oh my God. Thank you. You're my yep. life preserver. Thank you for mm-hmm. noticing. Let's fix it together. And you're like going to skip And let me together. get on meds and my meds no. are going to be working by tomorrow morning. Yeah. <laughs> no, great. guess what? Meds take a couple months to fully work. So mm-hmm. you're going to have to be a patient bitch for that amount of time yep. too. And then you're yeah. going to also have to take care of your mental health because clearly yeah. if your partner is struggling – 
you're probably struggling. And oh my god, yeah, <laughs> you've got a lot of work ahead of you. And a lot of my articles that I'm linking show that like you have to realize this isn't on you. This mm-hmm. isn't your cross to bear. You need mm-hmm. to be protecting yourself and taking care of yourself while trying. You know, you That's put the point. mask on yourself first, and then yeah. you help the next person. So protect yourself because if you go down with this ship, nobody's there mm-hmm. to take over the reins. And so exactly. protecting yourself while trying to kind of lift up this person is all you can really do. Mm-hmm. You can't fully take it on. And I try to fully take things on. Like I'm like, we're going to fix, I'm going to fix this for you. Watch me yep. fix your life. And Josh is like, yeah. I don't really want to fix that. And I don't really want to <laughs> fix that. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. And good day to you, ma'am. And, yep. so- <laughs> and if you are dealing with mental health with your husband, there are going to be ups and downs. I mean, we, sh- we experience up and ups and downs. And I think unless you've been there and experienced lifelong mental health issues, you don't realize it's yeah. not just because you're on medication, things aren't fine. You might need to, you might just be going through a hard time or a hard season, but you might need to readjust. And so don't think it's going to be. And I think that's a good point too, because most of the people we had writing and asking for this episode were saying, I have noticed a big change in my husband mm-hmm. this year. So Jenna and I and Brandon probably, I've been in this game for 20 years now, 25 mm-hmm. years now of depression and anxiety. So I might seem like I know all the answers, but your husband, boyfriend, spouse, partner, mm. whatever is new to this world. It is That's year one point. for them. I have 20 yeah. times the experience with this that they do and you maybe do too. So if mm-hmm. this is brand new for your spouse, how would you help? Think of them as your kid. How would you yeah. help your kid learn how to do the monkey bars? Mm-hmm. They've never done it before. It's brand new. They want to do the monkey bars. You're going to try to help them and do it, but you're not mm-hmm. going to throw your back out lifting your kid for two right. or five hours. You yeah. have to think of them as brand new little spring chicks to this depression yeah. game that you've maybe been dealing with your whole life. And this is just like the monkey bars new to your kids. This is new to your spouse. So exactly. they don't understand it either. No. No one does. Fucking and the monkey brain. bars are hard. I can't monkey bar. I can't either. <laughs> okay. It's a tall people thing then. I'm tall. <laughs> it's always a joke. No, like tall people can't monkey bar. Oh, okay. God, I was like, what? That no, was Jenna's no. failed attempt at calling me short. I do. I always Jenna's rag on his height. Are, Jenna's got it. Gonna have a pod, like a podcast that's just strictly comedy that kind of spirals. <laughs> I, it does. It's. I mean, I will say the best compliment my son gave me though was he was like, "You're a really funny mom," and I think if you weren't, I would be bored all the time. And I'm like, you're my kind of weird, and I love it. He's like, yes. <laughs> he gets most of my jokes while Brandon just stares at me. No, you said like, I'm funny sometimes. I'm going to get a screenshot of him just staring at you to pimp this episode. Too, but that's his, like, comedy. I rag on his height all the time. And, yeah. Because we're – if. You don't know us well. We're pretty close in height. We have like three inches difference. Brandon didn't come on this podcast to have his height no, two inches. So yeah, you can just... right? <laughs> what size are Jenna's Like you pants, can't Brandon? tell. <laughs> oh, speaking of, he wore my pants yesterday and it was hilarious. <laughs> and um, they actually can... fit him better than I'll me. I'll be waiting for my pictures. Thank you very much. Because um, that's the kind of pandemic life we're in. <laughs> It's getting Are really we weird and boring. And we had to switch pants. <laughs> Everything's getting very shining and it's and fine. And did he go We're to the store done. in them? Possibly. He did. Yeah, I looked <laughs> like I was in like them. a punk rock band. It was like girl jeans. No, he has pants. long hair right now. So I'm like, people probably thought you were a girl. And you had a mask on so it was covering your mustache. Oh, exactly. 
this is our source of entertainment, and our kids live I'm for so it. greasy to all your listeners right now with like girl jeans, long hair, and some sketchy stash. They'll come on. They'll come on YouTube and see that it's long hair, skinny jeans, and a sketchy stash. This so is be- all pandemic related, by the way. He never has had long hair. Like, but he did have a stash that was oh the more stash comes and goes one before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I will say, since the pan, this stash used to give him an alter ego, and now it's just here for it's just a part to go with the look. <laughs> wait, yeah. oh wait, I do have one more um, mental health question. How mm-hmm. often do you see your therapist, Brandon? So mine started out weekly, and then we started backing off to let life happen more frequently. Okay, and so then it went from weekly to every two weeks. And now he's trying to meet with me around every four weeks, kind of maybe once a month. Um, But, you know, he's always there to kind of just say, you know, I have a time slot that I don't think most people would want. But, you know, super early in the morning. And yeah, so Mm -hmm. he would always fit me in if I needed it. But yeah, I mean, we started off really frequently and then let life happen more so that we could talk about more and kind of pick things apart a little bit. Yeah, and they will do that. And that's what you need to understand from your husband. If your husband starts therapy, it's probably going to be pretty frequent in the beginning. And then they Mm -hmm. do often want to let life happen a little bit more so that you can build on the tools they're trying to teach you. So don't be like, I thought we agreed you were going to go every week and now you're going every other week. Like you don't monitor that. Once they enter that room, that's their game and your job is done. And if you're listening and you are in the spot where you're going to seek help, you can ask to be seen more. When I'm in my, I am very good at putting on a front that everything's okay. Sometimes I can even fool my therapist. And there've been times where she's like, I think things are going pretty good. Like I don't need to see you for another two weeks. And I was like, and inside you're like, I wish you knew. Yeah. And I've, I've had to speak up and say like that I'm not comfortable with that yet. And two, I, this is something I also struggle with. I think since my husband goes to therapy early in the morning, it helps. Don't ever make them feel bad about going it's saying like oh well I had to go here and I thought you were going to watch the kids fit this in like it is your top priority it is your priority yes as a wife like make sure that you are being completely supportive like oh you've got to go to therapy at nine o'clock I'm on kid duty go ahead and don't make them feel bad for going and I know and especially that those early days too because Mm -hmm. new habits take what 30 days to set in 90 days to set in so if you bet like if you're badgering your husband to go to therapy and he goes to therapy, you better make therapy a fucking priority until he makes it a part of his daily life and sees the value in it. Because in my, I've had to switch therapists so many times because I move so many times. A lot of times, the mm-hmm. first three to four appointments is just getting my insane background oh, on paper. It takes so yeah. know that your husband probably isn't getting much out of it for the first mm-hmm. month. So you're not going to see any big transformations in a month. And no. You have to be so patient and it's Mm -hmm. so fucking hard because I'm the least patient person. Just know that like Jenna said, this is your family's priority. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing as if one of your kids was sick. Them going to the doctor would be the family's entire priority. This isn't you to be like, well, you said I could go get my nails done at that time and now you're going to therapy. Like it's saying about you for a minute, babe. Sorry. And if your husband doesn't want to talk about it, leave it at that. There's times where I want to tell him all about my therapy session and it's eye-opening. And then there's times where it's so draining. I'm like, don't even yes. ask me. I'm yes, done. and know so that. And let that be that. A lot of, I know so many people that go to therapy and then say like, oh, I have the post-therapy hangover and I need a day yes. to process. Like, 
Do not or be I waiting feel like I'm fucking high and I'm going to go run. I'm going to fix the Do world. It. Right? So with that, call your therapist. And take your meds. 